You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kasperin, and this is our look at the Chicago White Sox 2016 season. I am joined by Scott Merkin. And, Merk, the way it started, I I can't believe that we're here uh, at the, you know, outset of October and the White Sox are not involved. The way they started the season, 17-8, and Uh, they were, they had such great pitching, uh, in that first month, they had such great defense and it just felt like something that had the potential to hold up. Yeah. You know, I wrote this in our kind of, in our season wrap up, uh, the, you know, white set for white com. I, you know, they were 23 and 10 and I, I think the Sox are probably sick of hearing about them being 23 and 10 in six games and fun in first place at that point. But if they would have just played 500 baseball the rest of the way, they would have gone 65 and 64 in the last 129. You know, they probably wouldn't have caught Cleveland, but they certainly would be right there. Even a little below 500 would still have them right in the would have still had them right in the wild card picture. You know, and it yeah. just didn't happen. They had some key injuries, but it's not. You know, you can't use it as an excuse. I, I think one of the things is they just had, as, as Robin Turman, too many gut punch losses this year. You know, there was a game in in Texas right after the next day after they had their high water mark of 23 and 10 and got six games up when Todd Frazier had an extra inning grand slam to give him the win. And they blew an 11-5 lead, I believe it was the eighth inning, and I think Ryan Rua hit a home run to beat them, and they gave eight runs in the eighth. They had that classic moment, classic in the wrong way, in Kansas City where they were up 7-1 in the ninth and, and blew it, lost the game in the ninth in regulation. Uh, there's a game in Seattle out of the All-Star break where Sale had a one-hitter through eight innings, and David Robertson gave up four runs in the ninth inning, and they lost. And it just, it just was that, that stretch, really, where they – they went into the break the last series before the break. They had a 44 and 41 record. They lost two out of three to Atlanta, who was not, you know, who's had an awful year, although played much better down the stretch, but was a pretty bad team at that point. Lost two out of three at home to Atlanta, got swept by Anaheim, who was kind of in the same boat as Atlanta, and then lost two out of three to Seattle and lost the first two of a four game set to Detroit. And really kind of all bets were off at that point. So, yeah, it was really a, a, another. I thought last year was rough, and this year was rougher, I think, because it had a little bit of hope and then just went so far sideways you know not even like i said went from first place to okay they still have it they need to win five of the last six and they can force a tie with baltimore or toronto or whoever they it just they just fell off you know they were out of it for pretty much the entire month of september so it was it was a it was a it was full of promise it went from full of promise to full of pain sort of for 2016 i don't think they're going to use that on the cover of their highlights <laughs> you know their wrap-up but that still is, is kind of how what happened that's exactly what happened. And, you know, you, Chris Sale and Jose Quintana had such great seasons at top of rotation. And, uh, you know, there, there's individual uh, element there that, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, Jose Quintana finally gets a double-digit win total, and, and Chris Sale really showed uh, his durability, his ability to, to go deeper into games. So that's great at an individual level. But just from a team-wide perspective, you think about the seasons those guys have, they really went to waste. Yeah, you know, Jose Quintana, if, for those who believe that win-loss has zero to do with the pitcher's success, Jose Quintana is the guy you want speaking at your conference when you have that because the, the fact that, you know, this is the first year he's won double digits is amazing because he's been one of the most consistent starters, let alone in the American League, let alone for the White Sox in baseball during his, his tenure in the rotation. And what you just said, Anthony, is the argument of why some people would like the Sox to go into a rebuild because – yeah, you know, my argument is you can say, well, you have these pitchers that these are the kind of pitchers you want. These are the kind of pitchers that teams pay hundreds of millions of dollars for, or maybe not hundreds of millions, but $100 million for over six or seven years. 
and you have them already for great contracts, and you have control of them for a couple of years. But the caveat is, well, you're not winning with them, and you're not really coming close to winning with them. So what do you do? Do you use these guys to try and build up a system that even the Sox admit is getting better but still not strong, still not full of depth, still not where, you know, if you have a couple injuries like the Sox have this year, four or five injuries, you have decent players coming up to fill the spots, but you don't have dynamic players coming up and fill the spots. So do you use them to make the trades and kind of build that up, or do you try and, you know, reinforce what you have and build around the core of Sale, Quintana, Rodon, Tim Anderson, possibly Carson Fulmer, uh, Adam Eaton, Jose Abreu. Is that what you build around? So it's it's what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams have to decide going into the offseason, you know, what their plan is going to be. And, and it may be a plan that's fluid. It may be a plan that they say, we're going to look at this and explore deals, and they may not get near what they want for Chris Sale and Jose Quintana and then quickly have to change and say, okay, let's go for it then. Let's see what we can add on and – and, and build this team up because, you know, when you trade these guys, you can't trade 80 cents on the dollar or even 90 cents on the dollar. you got to get more than their value, really, in return, and you can't settle. This is not a salary dump. It's, it's, a, it's a rebuild to help, you know, make this team strong again, and you have to treat it as such. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fascinating offseason in Chicago. Last offseason was, of course, fascinating because the, the White Sox did make those proactive moves to, to better this team, and, and the signature move was, Acquiring Todd Frazier, what did you make of Frazier's year on the south side? You know, one thing I, I really – one of the many things I respect about Frazier is he's, he's very honest. You know, he, he – I sat down with him, I believe it was in Miami, as a matter of fact, um, and we talked about his season at that point, and he said, you know, he was happy with his power production, he was happy with his run production, you know, near 40 and 100 in, in those areas, and he was happy with his defense. He played very solid. I know the metrics don't show him as a gold glove winner, even close to that, but – you know, I'm sorry, sometimes the eye test does show stuff. And I've watched some third basemen, not casting his first into past guys, but since Joe Creedy, who did not have the ability that Todd Frazier had. And that, that is, you know, he, he did a, a very solid job defensively. He actually stole, you know, double-digit bases this year. He has this great kind of walking lead where, you know, you would think if a pitcher even looks for a second, you pick him up easily, but he, he does it successfully. He said he learned that a little bit from uh, the great Joe Morgan, Hall of Famer Joe Morgan, when he was at the Reds. But he did not hit with runners in scoring position. He hit less than 200 with runners in scoring position. And that was an issue, and he understood that. I still think with the leadership he provides, provides the energy he provides in the clubhouse, that I think if you go rebuild or if you go, they don't like the word all in because it didn't work for them a few years ago, but if you go stronger to kind of build up again, I think you keep Todd Frazier. I don't think rebuild means you go with nothing but kids on the team. You've got to have some veterans there to kind of show them the way, to kind of guide the way. And Todd has done that a lot with Tim Anderson this year. So I think, you know, he, he was, he was, it was a positive move. You know, they gave up three solid players in Thompson, Trey Thompson, Micah Johnson, and Frankie Montes. But they also got a solid player to fill a void that was there for, you know, really since Joe Creedy consistently. So I think ultimately it's a good trade. Frazier knows where he needs to improve, and he's, you know, focused on going after that for the next year. Uh, let's talk about another positive uh, was Adam Eaton's defense. Um, a big element of the season. Again, it didn't go well from a team perspective, but you know that move to right field really brought out the best in his glove. Yeah, it's interesting because I think Adam Eaton, one hand, is very proud and would like to win a Gold Glove in right field. Although he's, you know, Mookie Betts is also a right fielder, so that should be an interesting vote there. But I think on the other hand, he gets a little prickly when you talk about <laughs> great defense and right because he believes he's a good defender in center too, and, and he was. I shouldn't say it like like he's wrong. 
you know, his first year of the Sox, he was a gold glove finalist in center field. He had an off year defensively in 2015, but has been outstanding. I mean, he, you know, led the White Sox in defensive run saves in the outfield and really what, what was, a, you know, was almost an MVP candidate early on when they were playing great baseball as a team just for his defense, even if he didn't hit a lot. And he did have a, you know, a solid year offensively as well. His defense was kind of a revelation this year. And I, I think moving forward, the two spots they really need to add on, they really need to find, kind of, kind of solidify our catcher and center field because I think Adam Eaton belongs as your right fielder. He, he's done well in center since Austin Jackson went down for the year with a knee injury. But I think Adam Eaton is the guy who should be your right fielder moving forward if you're not going to go into a you know, full, complete rebuild and even explore maybe moving him at some point. Uh, how about the shortstop moving forward? Tim Anderson uh, made his debut midway through the year, uh, gave them solid production, uh, gave them good defense. What did, what did you make of uh, Anderson's rookie year? You know, the interesting thing about Anderson is when he was kind of coming up, we'd hear rumblings every now and then, or I'd hear rumblings every now and then about, you know, well, you know, he's got a great athlete. He can hit with, all, with, you know, at the major league level now. Not sure if he can make it at short, but he's such a great athlete. <clears throat> Excuse me. He'll be a, an excellent center fielder or something of that nature. Well, Tim never believed that. And Tim kind of spoke strongly against that. You know, he didn't give you the, he, we'll see, let's hope it works out. He's like, no, I'm a shortstop. And, you know, people also pointed to Derek Jeter didn't have great, you know, air total numbers in the minor leagues either and ended up being a pretty darn good shortstop for the Yankees for a couple decades. And Tim was right. Tim, at least by this year, is way ahead of the game in terms of what people thought defensively. He had a great offensive year. I think he's going to be a good base dealer when he learns that a little bit because he's got great speed, but really impressive defensively. I think his defense stood out more than anything else because I don't think people knew what to expect of his defense with just his short time in the minors. He is outstanding going in the hole towards third base to make the play. He's made some great plays, some great jump throws in that area, and that, that's impressive more than anything. I think the White Sox have their shortstop for the foreseeable future, and that's a guy, rebuild, reload, go all in, whatever you want to say, who will be part of the White Sox. You can pretty much guarantee Tim Anderson is going to be the shortstop for a number of years to come. All right. Well, we've just barely scratched the surface here of all the big issues on the plate for the White Sox as they head into what will surely be an interesting winter. And Scott Merkin will be all over it for MLB.com and WhiteSox.com. I want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This, will be, this has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.